Uh, this morning, we're going to start a new series that I titled, uh, Did God Really Say That? Uh, I'm going to be looking at some common ideas about God and things that he supposedly said. Some weeks, I'll be looking at a specific passage from the Bible uh, that people understand a certain way, and other times, I'm going to be examining just a common perception of what God wants for his children. Uh, I'm going to give you the roadmap for the series. Next week, we're going to be looking at a scripture that people quote all the time to make a case for this. God never gives you more than you can handle. The question we're going to look at is, did God really say that? Uh, the next week, the third week, we're going to examine the idea that God doesn't care what you do as long as you don't hurt anybody. Did God really say that. And then the last week of the series, we're going to look at the notion that it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Did God really say that? This morning, we're going to look at a common idea about God's desire for us. Uh, some preachers have claimed, uh, many in the prosperity gospel camp, that God's deepest desire for us as his children, that we, we would be happy and blessed God, they claim, doesn't want his children to continue to suffer the effects of sin once they enter a relationship with him. He's come that we might experience, as scripture says, the abundant life, which includes only good things, health, wealth, prosperity, and things that contribute to our blessedness and our happiness. Bad things Evil things, trials are prayed against because they don't accomplish the abundant life that God has promised us. In fact, I can quote you a scripture to kind of support that idea, and it's Psalm 144, 15. It's on the screen. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. There it is. God wants us to be happy. If he is our Lord, we are to be happy. And it's kind of true, right? I mean, God wouldn't want his children to be absolutely miserable. Uh, it would be kind of odd if, if God called us into a relationship with him and then expected us to do this. I think we have a video illustration this morning. You might recognize it. Pie Jesu Domine, Dona Eis Requiem. Pie Jesu Domine, Dona Eis Requiem. Pie Jesu Domine, Dona That's classic. I don't care who you are. That's funny. Um, so, some Christians think that that's kind of what God has called people into. And some non-believers look at Christians and they think, you, know, you, you can't have any fun. You can't do anything that the rest of the world does. You know, it's just 
smack yourself on the head with boards. Uh, I actually know someone that uh, goes to church here, and they said when they were little, this little old lady came up to them and said, you will sit on this hard pew, you will endure the service, and you will suffer for Jesus. I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> like, is that God's intent for us, to suffer, to be pew-sitting, board-smacking followers of Jesus? If that's the alternative, you know, maybe God does want us to be happy above all else. If there's nothing else between board smacking and happiness. But I don't, think, I don't think that's God's ultimate desire for us. I want to share some common pitfalls in our relationship with God. If we relate to him as if happiness is his ultimate purpose for us. Number one, if you think God wants you to be happy above all else you will start to think that everything that makes you happy is right, and everything that doesn't make you happy is wrong. Now, you might think, come on, Pastor Steve, nobody would actually think that. Um, like, entire songs <laughs> have been written about that belief, and I will spare you singing any of them, uh, and I can't show any of those videos in church, uh, but I know Sheryl Crow sang a song kind of... Uh, to that nature, and but I, again, I can't, I can't go there on the screen. There are people whose entire moral compass reads, if it feels good, do it. And I guess it's kind of a logical thought process if you think God's number one goal is your happiness. You just do whatever makes you the happiest. Number two, if you think God wants you to be happy above all else, you begin to think that obstacles to your happiness are outside of God's will. Sickness, suffering, discomfort, delayed gratification. Those things can't be seen as part of God's plan if you think that God wants you to be happy above all else because nobody likes those things. Now, they don't make any of us happy. Sickness, delayed gratification, we all, that, that doesn't make us happy. And people with this mindset pray against those things because they're seen as like evil and of the devil because they can't be part of the abundant life in Christ that requires me to be happy all the time. Number three, if you think God wants you to be happy above all else, you will begin to worship false gods. And again, you might think, come on, that's a little bit extreme, Pastor Steve, but, but all of us have heard even preachers who focus on this health, wealth, prosperity, and they become obsessed with comfort and money and pleasure and things. People, even, even preachers, start to worship those things, and they set aside morality. They set aside for what makes them happy. A, a number of those TV evangelists, a number of preachers, have been exposed in very embarrassing and public scams. And because of that, like the TV evangelist has now become about as moral in our culture, society, and perception as a used car salesman. It's true for preachers, it's true for the rest of us. If we think God wants us to be happy above all else, we sometimes start to worship created things instead of the creator. Number four, 
If you think God wants you to be happy above all else, you start to believe that God exists to serve you. In reality, God doesn't exist to serve us. We, we exist to serve him. We, we owe him everything because he gave everything for us. He created us. But when people think that, that God exists to make them happy, they kind of reduce God to like this cosmic grandparent in a way. Uh, the grandparent who says, you know, you'd never do any wrong. They'll give you whatever you want. And grandparents often uh, never say no. In a way, it's, it's about like that. It's like God is the cosmic easy button in the sky. You know, if mom or dad or somebody else says no, oh, the grandparent button. That's how I, uh, if you have little kids, you know that they will play you. You know, they, they will do that to you. Uh, they will ask grandma. Without meaning to, we can kind of reduce God to some, some kind of a formula. I'll go to church put some money in a basket, I'll try, try to do good things, try not to do too many bad things, and if I do that, like, God owes me. He owes me happiness, he owes me, like, I should get what I want. And what's unfortunate about that situation is if we relate to God like that, eventually, people will walk on their relationship with God. They'll, they'll, they'll walk. When God doesn't come through They'll walk. I'm, I'm sure you probably even have met people that have walked because people who walk say this. You know what? I, I've tried God, and it, it, he didn't make me any happier. I, I, I tried praying. God didn't answer my prayers. I, I even went to a small group, and let me tell you, those people are even more messed up than me. God's not doing them any good. I, I've tried reading the Bible my kids are still sick. My finances are still in ruin. This God thing doesn't pay off. So they walk. What's unfortunate is when they walk, they, they walk on the thing and the person who can actually provide them support and help and grace and peace and strength during those storms in life. They eventually walk on a God who loves them immensely. When God, they think, fails to deliver, they go away. God's number one priority isn't our happiness. But God doesn't want us to go around smacking our head with boards and sitting on hard pews being miserable either. God does delight in the happiness of his children. He is our heavenly father and all dads want their kids to be happy. Lisa and I, we have three kids, and our kids are at the age where they like to go and spend time at their friend's house. And when they come home, we ask a question I am sure all parents ask their kids. Did you have a good time? And, and I love it when my kids smile and answer yes, but that my kids' happiness isn't my ultimate goal for them. So there's always follow-up questions to that question, like, who else was there? What did you do? If they stayed overnight, I asked the question, how late were you up? Be because we want to make sure that our kids are safe, that they're making godly choices. 
if happiness was the ultimate goal for parents, we would stop with the first question, right? Did you have a good time? Yeah, we had a great time. End of questions. But for Christian parents, often that, like, that's not the end of the questions because we, we care more deeply than just our kids' happiness. We care about their character. That, that's more important than their happiness. I, I'm happy my kids are happy, but their happiness isn't my number one priority. God doesn't want us to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue him. That's good preaching. God doesn't want us to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue him. Matthew 6, says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about the things that people worry about, stress over, and they are things that people think they need to be happy. Food, clothes, money, but people can get so wrapped up in pursuing those things instead of God that they lose focus on what's really important. Now, those are not luxury items, food, clothing, and money. But Jesus says, to paraphrase, listen, pursue God first and everything else will fall into place. Trust him. Have faith. God will take care of your needs. If we don't pursue God over happiness, oftentimes we will do something unwise or even wrong. It's just the way the universe works. It's kind of like gravity. Somehow, pursuing God first keeps everything else in the proper perspective. Pursue happiness and or created things or through creative things, maybe more specifically, and we will end up with the short end of the stick. Solomon said this in Proverbs 14, 12. There's a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it ends in death. The world, people, all of us are always tempted to pursue happiness. It, it, it's like guaranteed in the Constitution, right? Uh, the pursuit of happiness. But that's not God's number one goal. What if God's desire was for us to be holy and blessed, not happy and blessed? Now, I know holy sounds impossible, right? You might think, well, <laughs> Pastor Steve, you do not know what God is working with here. Um, yes, I do, because I don't have a head start on any of you. And if you are a guest here this morning and you came to church thinking you were gonna find a bunch of perfect, holy people that have never done anything wrong, uh, if you were afraid that you weren't good enough to get, come to church, don't worry, because you're probably sitting next to somebody that has out you 10 to 1, okay? But what's impossible for God is possible, what's impossible for man is possible for God. Christians aren't perfect. We're just forgiven. If we believed God was primarily concerned about our happiness, we'd just... <laughs> chuck it all and go out and keep, keep sending and do whatever we want and whatever made us happy. But God has made us holy. We, we don't live for ourselves any longer. We live for him. He, he makes us holy as we bring him glory. And truth be told, 
That also makes us happy. He, he didn't come to do our will. He's asked us to do his. First Peter 1.15 says this, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. I wanna give you a, a few examples, just kind of real life things, and my goal here is not to make anybody feel guilty or bad, or just work with me a little bit. Uh, I talk to people who are in a marriage, and they, they say this, you know what, I'm not happy, he's not happy, we're thinking about getting a divorce, because neither one of us are happy. Now, God doesn't want you to be miserable in your marriage. That is true. But marriage is a covenant between a husband and wife with God, and it's to death. You agreed for better or worse to the person you married, not me. <laughs> I, I did that with my own wife. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty, but, but let me talk to those of you who are going through the worst part and not the, the better part. God's calling, his highest calling, isn't your happiness, it's your holiness. And, and when you make that kind of a covenant, you, you make a covenant to work through the worst times to get to the better times. That's what that covenant is about. And God will help you work through the worst to get to the better. It, it's, what, it's what God does. I'm not saying holiness is easy, because it's not. It's hard. And anybody that's mar married knows that marriage is work. Um, it's... It's a blessing, it's a good thing, but it's work. If you believe that happiness is God's number one priority for you, you will do something wrong or unwise. It, let's, let's take a, just a, a lighter example. Uh, another example is cake. You might decide that cake makes you happy. Not just a piece of cake, I'm talking the whole cake. That would be unwise if you're pursuing holiness instead of happiness. You might think the whole cake would make you happy, but your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and pursuing cake to make you happy will not make you holy, it will make you large. <laughs> jobs, some people leave jobs because they're not happy at their job, even if they have kids at home with mouths to feed. Now that's not wise, that's not being holy in pursuit of happiness. People today justify so many things to make them happy, but those things aren't holy. Even, even different forms of entertainment and the way they relate to people of the opposite sex. Paul writes in Ephesians 5.3, but among you there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. For some reason in our culture, happy trumps holy. And if you're not a believer, like, you, you can make fun of me. It's okay. You know, I'm old. Nobody lives like that anymore. Uh, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. In fact, if I wasn't a believer, I would be making fun of me for saying these things. But I'm not an unbeliever, and I've found that God's ways are truly higher than our ways. And like, I'm more at peace and I'm, I'm happier following God and trying to work through the worst to the better to be holy 
than if I'm just pursuing happiness for happiness sake. Our culture says we need better possessions, newer, faster, shinier, bigger, better vacations to be happy. Those things do lend themselves to being happy. It's just God, that's not God's intent. And God will bless you with those things, but seek first the kingdom of God and all those other things will fall into their proper place. Seeking them for their sake alone, it just doesn't work. John, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. God's highest calling is not for our happiness. Because I'm gonna argue, argue all day long that God's desire for us is not to be happy and blessed, but holy and blessed with his presence. Some, some people today assume that God's blessing comes from all the things that God provides. And it doesn't. It comes from pursuing God above all else. I wanna close with a passage of scripture from Mark chapter four this morning. And I wanna kinda of talk to those of you who are going through the worst part of the, for, for better or worse, I wanna to talk to those who are struggling in some way this morning, and that temptation might be to pursue happiness instead of holiness, and I think this scripture speaks to that. It's Mark 4, 35 through 41. That day when evening came, he said, meaning Jesus, to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This morning, I want you to know whatever worst you're going through, that God is with you in the storm. And he can give you a supernatural peace. Because as the disciples found out, you are better off with Jesus in the boat, in your life, during the worst storm, than being all alone without him on a calm lake. Because Jesus can say to that storm, quiet, be still. And he can still our souls and give us a peace that truly does pass all understanding. And if you 
choose to stay in the boat with Jesus, all those other things will find their proper place as well. Would you pray with me? Jesus, as we come before you, there are those of us who are just going through it and the, the waves seem to be crashing over the side of the boat. And there are situations, God, that we think, you know what, I'm not sure if I'm, not sure if I'm gonna stay afloat in all this, God. And the temptation is to seek help and to seek happiness in other things. And God, we just wanna say this morning that we're, we're gonna hold on to you and we're gonna be faithful to that covenant. We're gonna just hold on. This morning, if you're going through uh, one of those storms, would you allow me to pray for, for you? Would you lift, lift your hand if that describes you? A number of you, a number of you. God, I wanna pray that your spirit goes out this morning and descends upon us. And that as we experience your spirits filling us this morning, that you would give us strength and wisdom and a peace, God, to know that whatever this storm is, it didn't take you by surprise. You, you know exactly when it started, you know exactly when it's gonna pass. And God, you know exactly how to get us through it. So I pray, God, that you would walk us through with you. And this morning, as we continue to, to pray and be in God's presence, there are some of you that may be here this morning that, like, God's not in that boat. <laughs> you, you, you've never invited Jesus into your heart, into your life, and he, he seems to be so distant from you. But you can tell that, like, it's not working. There's the storms, like, he's not there. And this morning, if you would like to invite Jesus into your life and into your heart, into that boat to, to give you strength, to give you the uh, assurance of his love and his forgiveness, would you also raise your hand this morning? God, I pray that as we invite you in this morning, that you would be our God that you would assure us of, our, of your love, that God, we would truly be able to lay down those burdens at your feet, and that as we confess those and invite you in, that you would draw close to us, that you would fill us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.